Next, we have Mark Demisio and Suzanne Spooner. Mark is a SSP experiencer. Suzanne is a QHHT practitioner. Um, and she has been working with Mark for six years, helping him recover his SSP memories. Uh, and they have a very uh, special relationship. He has helped him unpack a lot of a lot of what he's been, uh, a lot of the recalls, and not just unpack it, but helped him with the healing process. And, and they're going to uh, bring you guys a fantastic presentation, I'm sure. So uh, enjoy, and uh, come on up, guys. All right. Hey, Mark. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> Want to do some little chatting here? I guess we will. About the innermost parts of your life? Sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> Well, um, so we thought that we would do this presentation in a way that gave you two perspectives. Um, of course, Mark, it's his life, it's his story, which is astounding. And I'm the person that he came to to help unfold the story. I do QHHT. Um, I'm, I'll tell you just a little bit about myself, and then I'm going to turn this over mostly to Mark. I started doing QHHT, um, next month will be my 10 year anniversary, so not my first rodeo, I've done this a bit, thank you. Um, it's such an amazing profession um, to help people find that all their answers are within, and it's, it's my jam, it's what I love, and um, I was just in a really um, blessed experience of uh, Dolores Cannon who created QHHT. Um, I hadn't heard of, um, although I'd been very spiritual and on that path for a while, but when she came to me, when she happened, everybody has a Dolores story, um, I just thought, this is so cool. I love how she is showing people that all their answers, all their knowledge, all their healing is within them. They didn't need to go to an outside source for that, and um, I love that. And I went down, and I learned from her, and I was just God-smacked by the results of people in the class that we're doing, we did a practice day of sessions. My first one stunk. I was really, I'm like, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, I walked around like that. Um, second session was amazing. So then I was hooked. I was in. And then I got to uh, assist Dolores, which was fabulous because I'm a perennial student. And I just wanted to know everything about what she was teaching. And it gave me the opportunity to sit in the back of her classroom over and over and over and hear this this material and and every life story was completely different and unique and you didn't know what the client was going to be receiving or wanting before they came in it just gave this great element of, of um, uniqueness to the process and then mark happened <laughs> so about six years ago I received an email from mark and I had to go back and look at that very first email the first email, the second email, he, he's very vanilla with, with what he's giving me. He just, he wants to have a session. He wants to get in as soon as possible, of course, and we get everything all set up. And it wasn't until he came in to the session that I started to understand what his story was. And I had had people who had had some similar things, a lot of ET experiences, but yet his was, you know, it's that, it's, if you do the work that I do, when people say I have missing time, you're like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> let's find out what this is all about. And, you know, so with everybody, you know, Mark came in with some ideas about what he thought was going on as do every, um, does every 
client. You know, we, we try to figure out what our life is all about and why these events happen and what's important for us to know about it. But sometimes our analytical mind just gets in the way and the fear gets built up and we just kind of get a logjam of what this information was really about. So I'm sure with Mark, as I say with, with all clients, the story that is going to unfold today, it, it might be exactly what you think it is. It might be completely opposite of what you think it is, and it could be something in between. So our, our goal in, in facilitating these sessions is to not lead them, to let them tell their story through their eyes, asking lots of open-ended questions, not putting our spin on it at all, because we don't want their story through our eyes. We want a pure story through them. And um, so this is, this is where we began. He, he started to tell me his life story, this missing time, what he thought it might be about. Um, and then we have the first session. First session. The first session. Um, so from my perspective, I'm just going to real quickly show, share with you what I noticed. Um, we start out in QHHT. If you're not familiar with it, you're going to see um, the part of you that knows everything, the high self, is going to guide you to a lifetime or experience that's most important for you to see. There's nothing coincidental. Everything is for a reason. Um, you could be in a physical body, male, female, on earth, another time or place, known or unknown. You could be very abstract. You could be nothingness, light, vibration, frequency, sound. Everything is possible because we are everything. Um, but that life or experience is purposefully picked for you to have um, experience that day to find out how it relates to the current life and um, to help you move forward in your highest and best way. So for Mark, he first went into this memory, this experience, um, where he saw something he shouldn't have. That's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so we explored that and just went through it as normal. We had time to do a second life um, so he went back to World War II. He was um, a, a young German boy um, who was dealing with the World War II issues. He decided to um, um, join the Nazis because it was a pressure thing. It was he and his family weren't comfortable with it, but it was kind of expected. And he he had some remorse from what occurred because of that. So those were the lifetimes. Then with QHHT, when we get done viewing that, then we just make this really easy transition to this part of you that knows everything that we all hold. Um, and it's not hard to access. It's actually quite easy. And that's what Dolores is just so fundamentally amazing at um, showing us is that we hold all this knowledge. And from there, Mark had come into the session with a list of questions that he wanted to have answered. So we start in with that, we do, we scan the body, we do healing. Um, and when I was looking over his notes from that very first session, this starts to become very interesting. Because when we're doing a session, we're recording it. The high selves have told me in sessions many, many times that, that the client should look at this recording as more precious than gold. Because the high self, them, us, is putting infinite layers of information through that recording, through the voice, through the vibration, the frequency of the high self. And so every time they listen to it, they get more. So it's like this big, giant, golden onion 
they are creating for themselves. And after the session, then it's up to them if they decide to start peeling the layers of the onion and going deeper and deeper, which is what, you know, as practitioners, we hope they all do. Um, and, and I'm going to guess a lot of them don't because it's a lot of introspective work and not everybody's ready to do that. But the exception is Mark. He took that golden onion and he started peeling. So in that first section, um, his purpose in this life, his high self said, was he's supposed to lead people to change with his knowledge. And like, wow, that's beautiful. That's really cool. But as that golden onion is, it's just really starting to unfold at this point. It's taken six years to kind of start grasping that. So. Yeah, I, I really wasn't even concerned with that. I was only concerned with a couple of things. The reason I, I actually went in the beginning was I was having nightmares for years. And uh, I could never see something would jump on my back and, and I wouldn't be able to talk or couldn't scream or anything. I never could see what it was. And uh, I had a bunch of dreams also in gray uniforms um, with a gun walking around. So. <clears throat> Sure, I, I hear some feedback, so I was backing off. Um, and also, I used to scream in my sleep a lot. Um, I would talk really loud, sometimes scream. Um, I was having conversations with people. And that started in 1981. So when I first went to Suzanne, <clears throat> the only thing I was really worried about was you know, what was these dreams about? Um, so the first session was so, I only gained a little bit of information. I was told um, that I had been in a project with this man that I met in a bar. Um, and that was it. Didn't get any more information about the project. I was also told that I saw a reptilian and a craft um, and a man who was in charge of everyone else. And that was the memory I was looking for. Um, so after the first session, that was pretty much it. I just stopped listening to this session. I only listened to it once. And uh, never really got any anywhere with it. I just kind of let it go. <clears throat> and getting ready for this session, I should talk about it. It was, I was really nervous. I had read in uh, Law of One that um, your high self is your, I think, six-density version of you. So I was, uh, you know, very nervous because I thought it was going to be judgmental on all the stuff I did. So I started to meditate a lot to get ready because I knew I was going to have to lay there for a couple hours. And um, once I got to that point, um, I went to Suzanne. And that first session, I like I said, I just kind of locked up. I didn't do anything. Um, and then I did find out a couple other things. I found out I, I had tried to escape from the place I was at, and I took seven other people with me. And I found out that the group I was with, we were abducting people. And that's why I decided to escape. Um, 
That's pretty much all I got out of the first session. And just going through this chart that I have up here, um, we're going to go through this in detail, but in 1981, I met a Navy recruiter. Um, he had a, a blue Navy coat on, and he had a guy with him who had a blue Navy coat on with no markings and uh, no uniform. Um, they drugged me, um, took me to Camden, New Jersey, um, and then I laid on a table and I uh, woke up a couple minutes later and the nurse was shaking me, telling me they could no longer, they couldn't use me. They didn't, they didn't need me anymore. And um, my next memory was waking up in a field right next to the apartment I lived in. And so those are the memories I, I only had for years, meeting this guy in a bar and then waking up in a field. And that was the main reason I went to Suzanne the first time. So I did get closure on that. I knew that happened. And we started um, training on what we call topside on the surface of Diego Garcia. Um, I also found out in the first session that I was training in sand and, and it was warm and sunny. I remembered all that. And also remembered that we were trained by Navy instructors. They had Navy uniforms on. They were making us sing a Navy song while we were training. Um, I think we were probably only there for about a month. And then we were moved down to the dumb. Um, we were numbered one through eight. And um, then we were trained to abduct and kill people. Uh, we were, the, there's the eight of us up there that I have. Um, the people who died on Diego Garcia, obviously, these are our clones that they, they make in the programs. But uh, as you can see, only half of us lived and got off of Diego Garcia. Um, we're going to go into these things in detail when we start to get into the sessions. Um, I completed three missions, and um, I was seeing where it was going, and I was given a, a choice to either go to prison or um, kill somebody and start working with this reptilian that I had seen. Uh, I was going to have to go on his craft and stay with him. So I decided to escape um, took the other seven guys with me and we, we just got down to the bottom of the steps and I was set up by one of the guys in my group um, they beat me, tortured me for a few days and then I was stuck in solitary for a year um, they, it was just a little box maybe about five feet high six feet square uh, with a hole in the center so they stripped me, stuck me in there, um, and fed me dog food till I died. And, uh, you know, I, I have the memories of that. It was, it was really painful. But I died in the uh, cell, and um, there was also an experimentation lab in Diego Garcia where there was grays operating stuff. I was taken there. They brought me back to life, and then I was sent to prison. But in between, I guess the Greys have a 
technology, when they bring you back to life, they can look at your light body. They can tell your whole soul history. And I'm not talking just on earth. They can tell your whole soul history. So they saw something they wanted. Um, they saw that I was uh, an Andromeda light being. And uh, they sent me to Dulce. At Dulce, the Greys experimented on me, took a sample of my soul, and uh, started to use it in their hybrid program. Um, I just found out about this one hybrid I had. He actually just died, too. But I only found out about him about six months ago. Um, he was just like a big Hulk they made. He was going to be a weapon. Uh, I don't think they used him much. And anyway, as far, then I was taken back to Diego Garcia. Um, and I wound up being in a prison cell with my uh, training partner, number two. Uh, we were in there for a week or so. And there was a, a fight in the kitchen that I started. And um, he killed four people. And I cut up the other guy. The guy who was in charge of the kitchen. Uh, they then took us to uh, just this little cell, stuck us in there. It didn't feed us at all. And uh, they started to torture us and do different things. So I'm not going to get into the nasty details today because today is really just about how to get past this trauma and how to heal. Uh, um, there's videos out there if you want to get into those details. Um, anyway, Joe died. And I literally went crazy. I was in the cell with his dead body for probably a couple days. And then I was taken to uh, a little room, and they finally gave me some, you know, they gave me clothes, started feeding me, and um, went to Dulce. That experimentation happened. And for a long time, I never knew. I had a memory of being age regressed. I just had no idea where it fit in. And just lately I realized after the prison and I went crazy, they, they age regressed me. So um, I was actually not in a 20 and back. It was a two year contract I had. Um, if I wouldn't have died in prison and they didn't find out about my light body, that would have been it. I would have been done at two years. And I was uh, moved to the moon once I went crazy. Uh, I had memories of being in a hospital. Uh, it was all green, green floor and green walls. And I have a memory of being age regressed. There was uh, two guys looking at me, and uh, I, I guess I was still totally crazy. They, and they just said to me, uh, he's never going to remember anything. So that was the only... I guess age regression, those were the only memories I had for years until I started to uh, get memories of myself with gray hair, which, you know, I was just trying to figure that out because I was supposed to be there for two years, so it was very confusing. Um, I was moved back to uh, Diego Garcia, and uh, this is where they, they took my body um, and 
really complicated. They sent my mind to a body on Mars, to Kruger, where I was, I received electric shock um, until I had no, you know, my body was just gone. I, I had no emotions. And they trained me and then they turned me into, uh, they gave me a serial number, 085971, and a name, Hans. And uh, from then till 2018, um, Hans was a uh, assassin for just for my handler, the original handler I had. Um, and he killed um, over 40 people for Bill on Diego Garcia. Um, in February 2018, he, uh, he had an order from Bill to kill everybody else that was still alive from our original group, which was just uh, number, number four, Frank. He was the only guy alive yet. So he killed Frank, and then he killed himself. And the body on Mars then um, became another altar. They, they like never took my mind out of it. So I had this altar Sam who has been influencing my life up until uh, April when he died. Um, he was a so soldier on Mars first. Then he uh, did some really heinous things, got the attention of the Dark Fleet, was with the Dark Fleet for a while. Um, and it turned out he was actually just a spy. Um, after he was with the Dark Fleet for a while, he went to uh, start working with the White Hats up until uh, this April when he got killed. And now we're just going to go through these sessions and it'll get more into detail. Um, because session two actually had all the information I needed, I just didn't know didn't know what to do with it. Um, in between session one and two, I got really suicidal. For about two months after session one, I was feeling really good and confident, and then all of a sudden, I I just became more suicidal than I had ever been. Everywhere I looked, I saw myself hanging from something. If I saw a pool, I saw myself drowning it face down. And uh, you just couldn't figure it out. I, I was having a hard time staying alive. My wife would have to talk me uh, to me every day before she went to work, you know, make sure I wouldn't kill myself. And that led up to the second session. The second session, the reason I had to have that was I was just so suicidal. I tried to work on stuff, and every time I started to work on memories, I would get nauseous or I'd get headaches. Um, I'd get really suicidal, so I, I couldn't get anywhere. I was just stalled. So I called up Suzanne, and we lined up our, our second session. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, so in the second session, um, you know, in the at the end of the first session, from my perspective, I'm like, wow, you know, he, that's that's a lot to handle, and I, I believe I asked like one more question in that 
the end of the first session and his high cell says, stop, like we can't give him any more. He's, this is enough. And obviously it was because, yeah. you know, how they digested afterwards and work through the information that they've given themselves, it can be a lot. So when Mark contacted me and said he was ready for a second session, I'm like, wow, okay. You know, I, I, I didn't think I'd hear from you again, but okay, let's do it. And, and, and what was so interesting in the second session was much more detail about his times in these non, you know, it's really a nonlinear experience. Yeah. You, can't, you can't go linear with this. Um, started to come through. Um, so that there is an understanding of um, how time is manipulated. It talked about the um, multiple timelines that he's having. It talked in detail about the age regression. So, you know, it's like he's getting this information in the amounts that he can handle it. Um, and then he goes and does that for a little while. Now, interestingly, we get a little bit more about his purpose in the second session. So the first session, he said he's supposed to lead people to change with his knowledge. Beautiful. Second session, it says he needs to help people wake up. Um, sharing some of his story is good to do. And I think both Mark and I are like, oh, I don't know. You want to do that? And he was like, no. I wasn't I'm, telling anybody. I'm never going to share this story. I'm like, okay, you said it, not me. You know, it's fine. So I'll let you, you do yeah. that now. Okay. Well, the second session... Um, What I found out, my, my questions were, were really the most important thing to me. One of my questions was I had a memory of uh, stepping out of a craft in my underwear. And there was a, a woman in uniform holding her hand out to help me off. So my first question was, is, you know, what happened there? I was really excited and um, happy to be there, strangely enough. Uh, what I found out was is that um, after our first session, they were watching me. They found out I got my memories back. Um, I was abducted two months after the first session, taken to the moon where my handler was working, and he questioned me. Um, he, they gave me drugs, sat me in a chair, tied, you know, with restraints. And he, he just started to question me. He stuck his face and he kept saying, hey, you remember me? And, you know, and there was no response. Um, he then asked, you know, somebody behind me, he's like, are these drugs working? And then they came over and stuck another needle in my arm. Um, at that point, he, you know, I, I kind of went into a, I don't know if I had a reaction from the drug. But the next thing I remembered, he was programming me to kill myself. He, he kept telling me, uh, you know, you're, you're really holding back your wife. You should, uh, you should do the right thing. You know, you, look at yourself. You, you're a mess. You should just do the right thing and get it over with. So when the second session we got there, I was so suicidal, had no idea. And that turned out to be the reason why. I was programmed immediately after the first session. So I, that's another reason why I got nowhere with, with the first session information. I couldn't even look at it. What I did find out 
was um, that I had my memory erased and it was early in the programs and I had permanent brain damage and that's why I was getting nauseous when I would try to access memories that were in a damaged part of my brain. Um, also, one of the reasons why I went to Suzanne for the second session, I, uh, I had a, my dog had a, just a little dental um, operation and um, he wound up dying that night. So I woke up the next morning and uh, he, he had died and was on my leg. And when I reached down and touched his, his body, I immediately was back in a cell with the dead body of Joe. And, uh, and I kind of temporarily went crazy. My wife had to come up and smack me. I was running around the uh, walls of the room just like I was in the cell when I went crazy. Um, so that, I had to figure that out. That was the, uh, the second session was definitely about the guilt that I had feeling like I, I led a mission and people got killed. Um, and I found out that it was actually just Joe. We, I didn't lead a mission, I was trying to escape. And I f always felt guilty because he died in prison. So I, I did remember training with short hair and uh, singing the Navy song, being strapped in a chair, being waterboarded, beaten. Um, and I remembered some of my uh, abductions. I had one abduction um, where I was taken to uh, Tennessee um, and they pointed this guy out. I went down to a dock at nighttime. I gave him a chokehold, dropped him down, put him in his boat and took the boat out into the water until I saw them flash their lights and then um, they picked him up and that was the end of my mission. And the reason I'm really saying that is because that was the reason I escaped. My, my stupid escape plan was to uh, take my little 45 handgun and work our way up to the surface and then go to where I knew the boats were and get in a boat and escape. So I had no idea we were on Diego Garcia. <laughs> I wouldn't have got fit far with a tank of gas. Um, I also got more information on the reptilian. Uh, I saw him more and I heard more about the, the man that was standing next to him, uh, who turned out to be the commandant of the, uh, the dumb at Diego Garcia. I found out that I was tortured and questioned by the reptilian. And um, that's when I also found out that you know, as soon as I killed somebody, I was going to be working for him. And that reason was because he came into my face and I guess I wasn't as repulsed as everyone else was. I had less of a reaction. So um, he thought I had seen reptilians before and I wouldn't react bad. So I was designated to go with him as soon as I killed somebody. That is when I decided to escape. Um, I was captured. I also found out that I was turned in by one of the guys that I escaped with. 
That's why as soon as I got out the door, they were all standing there waiting for me. And I got to the point where I, I actually, you know, started to remember about the the mine wipe. They they had a they were almost like metal eggs on my temples. I could just hear that buzzing and and all that. So I found out more detail about my. Uh, yeah, me having my memory erased. It was early in the programs. They didn't know what they were doing. And I also found out that most of what happened to me was just an experiment. So, what you got? So a lot more information in that second. You can kind of see how it's layering over that, that first section. Um, so in the third, he comes to the session asking about Diego Garcia. Um, we get more information about that. We talk about clones, um, much more detail about the day and the life of his altars. Um, it, it's just amazing how it unfolded little by little in the amounts that he he could take. And, um, you know, it's such an education for me because, again, you can't be linear with any of this. You really have to open your mind up to these alternate realities and, and um, uh, technologies that we may have heard about but didn't really have a, um, a lifetime experience about. Um, and the purpose of that session, his high self says, was he needed to look at this closer. So this is part of the healing that is occurring. And it looks like a really bumpy road to the healing. It, I can't imagine what he's been through so much respect for what Mark has been through. Um, but the healing part had to evolve in this way in order for him to receive what he needed. And um, he, this is when we do the third session. Yeah. He's ready for more. And the third session was great. Um, I had actually remembered everything from the third session. This was just verification for me. Um, I remembered my number, I remembered Hans, and uh, I was actually, at that point, what, a big thing happened to me. I had thought I was alone up until that point. Um, I didn't think I had any guides or anything. I had never been in contact with any guides. And uh, I think I was sitting watching James Gillian on Dimensions of Disclosure on his talk just feeling sorry for myself because I didn't have any guides or anything. I figured I just came here for this experience. And uh, my wife turned to me and said, you know, you have feline guides. And they've been with you the whole time. They've been blocking your memories until this time, until it was the right time. And uh, then I remembered all the dreams that I had. They were dream memories. And before I was able to realize that it was an actual memory, uh, a tiger would walk in the room or a couple of lions would walk in the group and it would break up the dream. And, and uh, that's what they did until it was the right time for me to remember. So I had that. I also was realizing that I couldn't squish this experience into two years anymore because I, I had memories of myself with gray hair and uh, memories of myself with the, my handler and 
uh, the two guys that always tortured me. And they all were, had gray hair. Um, and I was seeing a bunch of images of my arm and my hand with a gun shooting people in the head. So the third session, it was brutal. I, I, I could barely get there. Uh, I, that's all I could see. I was just seeing images of people getting shot. And I just couldn't figure out what the hell that had to do with the secret space program. Um, I found out about the dumb, which put together a lot of information. Uh, I had also thought I was in several prisons. And at that point, I found out you were only in one prison. I was in solitary in Diego Garcia. Then I went to the prison in Diego Garcia. But the other places I thought were prisons were actually turned out to be Dulce when I was experimented on and um, the experimentation labs in, in Diego Garcia. So those were my other three locations that I just thought they were prisons. Um, I also found out about the tunnel people that was on my third uh, recording. It's... I found out all that information. I had images of those people for years. I, I just could never figure out what it was. It was almost like homeless people, but they were in a city that I, I just didn't recognize. And that it was always dark and there was no sky. So I, I could just never figure out what was going on with that one. Um, we also, I had dreams for years about that hostage scene and that came out. Hans was pulled in as a, you know, to uh, kill a couple of captors, and it turned out that that family that they had was the commandant of the Dom and his family, his daughter and, and their children. So this is actually when my handler, Bill, um, wound up moving to the moon. After that, he, he got... Um, a lot of success, and he was out at Diego Garcia. So my high self showed me that I skimmed over my memories in uh, solitary confinement. Because once I realized I was in solitary for a year, I was like, okay, you know, it's probably the same day every day. I'm not going to really dip into that memory. And, uh, you know, my high self told me, now you, if you really want to heal your soul, you're gonna to have to do a lot more work on that. And uh, I would also have to do uh, a lot more work on um, the electric shock that I received when I was in Mars. Um, I found out that I had an agreement with my guide, Hayog, and that I signed up for this whole thing. So I should stop feeling sorry for myself because uh, not only did I sign up for it, but it was, it was like I insisted on taking this mission. So at that point, he just let me know when, when instead of getting mad at people, thank them for providing the experience that I incarnated for. Um, my high self also gave me verification 
that um, two of my guides were actually another aspect of me. And uh, that's something I just want to talk about for a second. Um, the important part about the guides, this is why I really think it's important to connect with your guides and not get information from somebody else's. You, you're going to find out you have a team of guides. They step forward when you're in an important part of your life and they're needed. And then they'll step back and other guides will step forward. Um, the interesting thing is you'll find out that some of these guides are you. You're another aspect of them. It could be line beings. It could be you know, Palladians. But you're going to have at least one of your guides is going to be you. And with that information, along with getting your information from your high self, you can, you can find out everything when you're supposed to. Your high self will never give you information you're not ready to handle. So that's why I think it's so important to go that way. Um, also, I guess the thing I found out was forgiveness that I was going to be stuck in a loop of trauma until I actually forget, forgave these people. So just to let you know where I was at, it was a dark place. Um, my altar Hans had killed um, the two people who tortured me the most, the two guys who um, let me starve in prison, the two guys that waterboarded me. They were the same guys. At some point, my handler, Bill, um, wanted them gone and ordered my altar Hans to kill them. So I was waking up and, and uh, I would wake up, get in the shower, and as soon as the water would hit my head, I would be back getting waterboarded. You know, I would have to, you know, talk myself, have to open my eyes right away, let myself know I wasn't being waterboarded. Um, then, you know, I'd have visions of them torturing me all day long. And what I did was, and this is not a good thing, I just grabbed those memories of killing those people of my altar. And every time I got memories of them torturing me, I would go back to that memory of them being shot in the head. So it was really unhealthy. And I was stuck in that loop. Uh, I would see the nurse torturing me, give me electric shock, and I would break her neck like they taught me. Um, and I, the days just kept going on like that. When I would go to bed, um, my wife would have to ask me when I was ready to turn out the light, because uh, if the light went out and it was, you know, it was pitch black, I would be back in solitary. You know, if, if I woke up at night and it was it was a dark room, I'd have to have lights on or something, so I knew I wasn't in solitary. So what I wound up was is um, my guide did let me know this this ends when you feel like it. When you're ready to forgive them, all that's going to go away. So I did. I got together with two friends who had been in the uh, programs too, and. Uh, we did a meditation. We forgave all the people that did those things to us. And um, those memories went away. I started waking up without. Thank you.
But those memories went away, and I started to slowly, when I would think about them, I, I would no longer want to kill them. I would just smile and, and say, thank you for providing me with the opportunity to go through this. So, are you ready? I'll t talk about a paradigm shift, you know, with the victimhood and with forgiveness. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, that's a huge amount of work for any human being to make it through underneath any circumstance, but that circumstance is substantially yeah. traumatic. Right, right. So it, it's it's an, an inspiring story, I believe. It's it's it is it's a lot to take in. It's very heavy. Yeah. But to come through all of those years, gathering the information as it was made available to him, and putting it together, and being able to forgive, which is just astounding and to take himself out of the victimhood, which we all do, you know, it's, it's a human thing, you know, why this happened to me, and I'm a good person, but then that happens to me, and it's not fair. Yeah, why me? Why me? But then to hear and to understand and to really accept that I asked for these lessons, I asked to learn for this for my own soul's growth, and, you know, our, our worst enemies are oftentimes our greatest teachers, and you have to... If you look at it from that perspective, everything changes. Yeah. Yep. And I, I knew also that I found out that this, you know, this mission was pretty much my whole purpose in this life. Um, I started to remember picking my parents. And, and I've heard uh, people talk about this before they wonder. But, you know, I needed to be able to go through trauma. So I picked a mother that would provide that for me at an early age. So, um, yeah, she, she started by three. By the time I was three, I was going through trauma. And uh, I think in the first session, I had told Suzanne about it. And, and uh, she asked a question. She said, um, asked my high self, why did he pick his mother? You know, why would you pick that mother? And um, my high self said, so he would be independent early. He would know he, he didn't need anybody. So it's, it has been a journey, but I actually, one thing from the first session, that German life, um, haven't mentioned this before, but that was actually part of this mission. In that German life, um, I was together with the guy, Bill, who would be my handler. So I guess we were, he picked me. He had no idea why I was familiar to him. But we did everything we could to make sure that I would be number one so I could get through that experience. Well, if anybody has questions for Mark, I think we're ready to take those questions. Um, give me, give us just a second while we get the microphone set up.
Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that, Mark. Uh, I remember when you first reached out to me via email, I'm like, hey, man, I got this stuff, you know, I'd like to talk to you about it. And uh, we started talking and it was just so synchronistic because I had just learned about something or had a revelation about something you just shared. And I was like, this is no coincidence. So I gave him the time and we brought him on the show and that was the first time he came forward. And uh, thank you for your bravery and because uh, it's not easy to share that type of information, but speaking about it is part of the healing process. Definitely. So you can do it on your own, but um, you have to be comfortable with it and be transparent. That's how we get through this. So thank you. Thank Any you. questions, guys? Get in line. How did you know that your altars had passed on? Um, I could actually connect with them and see through their eyes. To um, this day? Like Till they died. I was with the one altar, Sam, when he died. Wow. Um, so what was going on with him is um, he was in a lot of the programs. They had actually, I don't know how many, 20 or 30 clones of him, of us, um, which had no light body in them. So they were just clones just sitting there. Um, what he did was is he... Uh, he actually just got me out. I am out of the SSP for the first time since 1981. He, uh, he just, thank you. So he, um, he got me out. He, uh, he went on a suicide mission. He destroyed the clones and then got killed in the process. And I was with him when they beat his head in. Wow. Thank you so much for your bravery and for coming out and your bravery just standing in front of everyone telling your story. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? Thank you very much for all the work that you're doing for everybody and the challenges that you're going through. Uh, I'm curious, in your choice of mission, have you had the benefit or blessing of giving a vision of accomplishment yet, a goal? What day, what does the day look like for you when you're retired? What's mission accomplished for you? This is mission accomplished. This is mission accomplished. Hi there. Um, so I was curious, like, when you said you were 21 and you went to, um, you met those recruiters and then you were on that table and then later you woke up two minutes later. So that was after t probably 20 years or something. It, it's actually just the process of them. I guess they, from what I understand, it's an ET soul splitting technology. You can lay down in a chair or, or a table or sit in a chair, or, and then um, usually everybody has the same thing. You, you think you fell asleep for a couple of minutes, and then they're waking you up saying, okay, it's all over. And actually, now that whole 20 years, or in my case, many more, is all stuffed into that. Did you, did you feel different after, like, because, um, like, Tony Rodriguez talks about um, how he was different, changed after? Definitely. I was much darker. Um, I just realized now that probably my aggressive alter Sam had been affecting my life ever since then. Uh, now that he's dead, um, it, it's real quiet. There was a lot of aggression in my head that I would have to fight off all the time. 
overreact to stuff. So now that he's gone, everything's cleared up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming out and sharing all this with us. It's very brave of you to do so. Um, Thank you. You, sh you shared that uh, you were in solitary confinement for like a year. I mean, that just sounds so unbelievably brutal. And I mean, I don't even know how you don't go insane in a well, you, situation. You, or you do go insane. You do go insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. other, the other extreme, or to maybe ask a question on a positive side, like Tony shares about an experience he had of getting to see a, a certain meteor shower. I can't remember what it was out on a planet, but it was also a thing he used later as a confirmation. Like he knew the answer to, you know, I'll let him tell that story, but knew the answer as to why that was occurring out there and NASA confirmed it for him later. And it was one of the things he used for a confirmation. Um, but that sounded like it was a pleasant experience. Do you have any memories that are like, Pleasant? Yeah, well, yeah, any, anything good, riding through the universe in a uh, spaceship, having a good old time, or uh, is there any bright side to any of this other than maybe the help you're doing now? I'll, I'll sit there, down. There was actually no pleasant time. There was times that were less traumatic, you know. Um, but on the other hand, if I would think if I was, the worst probably was solitary. Yeah. Next definitely would be Dulcie. Yeah, but I didn't have any great days. Um, there was one time when I did accomplish the one mission, um, the abduction of the guy in the marina. I, I was allowed to go to a bar for a couple nights. So that, that, I guess that's my exciting time. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, you were talking about brain damage or having a part of your brain that you couldn't get into. Can you speak more about that or how you dealt with it or yeah, how you've gone about doing it? Sure. It's, um, this is what I was explained. It was early in the programs. There was really still trying to figure stuff out. The uh, type of memory wipe they used on me was permanent. And I, the one area of my brain that my uh, high self said I'd never get back is uh, it was just training. He, he said it was just like day-to-day -day stuff, early training, and it, it didn't matter. I had most of the other memories. But I haven't really tried to access that anymore, but um, it was just an immediate nausea. I, I can't explain it. Every time I would try to get any of those early training, other than um, going through a couple of uh, courses, you know, we were running around through the sand and stuff, I have no memories of the actual training. I don't remember um, being trained to, you know, all the martial arts and all the other shit they taught us. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, question is the last block on the bottom there about going from the uh, dark fleet to the, says the white hats. Yes. So that, I mean, there's a two kind of polar opposite factions. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Was it in like a negotiation? Do they communicate with each other? 
That should show you what the white hats are made of. What's that? I said, that should show you what the white hats are made of. The white hats are actually made up of guys that you would actually think are bad guys that have turned to the other side. Okay. So um, from, from what I understand, he was a spy through his Dark Fleet times. Um, he worked for a guy that other people have mentioned, the old man. And that's, that's who he spied for. Thanks. Is it possible to talk about the actual sessions, the regression sessions? Sure. At some point, thanks. How they work. Oh, oh. How, how it works, the actual process for the regression that you do? Sure, come on. Yeah. I'm 5'4 today in my heels. So, <laughs> so an actual regression, um, when I'm going to give you kind of a higher perspective and a, and a 3D perspective. When, when a client reaches out to a practitioner, my belief is that the session starts then. Once, once, that, opin, uh, once that appointment is agreed to by both parties, uh, before the client comes to the session, they're writing up a list of questions that they want to have answers to. Most will make two lists. They'll make a list of life and personal questions and one of health and body questions. Um, they bring that list with them to the session. We sit and talk for a while. They share their life story, which is always an amazing story to hear and it's one of those rare events because none of us really ever sit down and tell somebody who just is unconditional and and loving their life story you know just no no um, judgment when they get done with that life story then we look over their list of questions make sure that the practitioner understands what they want to find out about um, take a quick restroom break come back get them nice and comfy on a table or a bed that's when the session begins. They typically are going to go to one or two, maybe more other lifetimes experiences, again, perfectly picked by their high self um, to show them something that's important for them to know. And then um, we make that transition over to the, the subconscious, the high self. That's where we ask the questions. That's where, you know, if you're like me, you ask a lot of different questions because my goal is always to help the client to get every little last drop of goodie that they can from this beautiful part of them that knows everything. Um, and then they're ready to be brought up. They're usually under for about two hours, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. Um, and they come, come out and they're, you know, I, I always, it's, it's so um, um, common to say this, but it's such a truth in this experience. The you that walked into my office is not the you that walks out. You're a very expanded version of yourself, and um, it's it's just it's a great honor. And you know, we usually don't do sessions repeated on clients. It's usually a kind of a one and done thing. But it's it's a great joy when they want to keep exploring deeper and deeper to find their healing and their answers. So that's how a session typically runs. Um, my question is about uh, the altars. Um, are you, are they aware 
of who they are? Are they told a past so that they think they have a past? Are they told your past? Or like, what's their relationship in the world? And what's their relationship with you? Well, I, I can only speak of, of how my relationship was with my alters. But the one who is a hybrid, the big one, um, I, I've only been in contact with either, both of them since October. Uh, I was in denial for a long time. I have other friends in the SSP and they would say, you know, I saw your altar last night. Yeah, and I was like, uh, you know, I knew they were out there. I just really didn't want to deal with them. So in October, I started to, uh, started to try and connect to them. They knew nothing about me. Is it, their world's different. I mean, the one hybrid, he was made by greys and given to the reptilians. So his world was totally different. Yeah. He, he was uh, tortured continually. So he was full of rage. Um, the other one, Sam, I don't know what he knew. I honestly don't. I'm just, I just realized uh, how much of an influence he's had on my life since he's been gone. I just realized how much he was gone. But we had, um, him and I had a weird thing. We had a connection energetically in our solar plexus. Uh, so he could send me energy and I would send him some. All right, thanks. Good morning. Thank you for sharing. Uh, the question I have is about the media. Do you know if, uh, when you consume media, if any form, could it be a billboard or magazine, newspaper? Is there anything that you might be exposed to that might cause a shifting of your alters or a response, a negative or positive response? Have you noticed anything like that? That could be like uh, broadcast to the masses, that but, but has some particular uh, reaction within you? No, I hadn't, I hadn't really looked at it like that. Because I, I, I live in Chicago, and they have high-tech billboards, and they could almost play a movie, and there's certain colors and symbolism that they're using. Oh, I'm I starting to notice that, and that's being projected to the masses. And I don't know if it's, like, uh, if it's being used against us or certain selected persons. And I'm, it's very high-tech, and you go into the cities. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not aware of that at all. I'm sorry. You don't, or it could even be a song or anything? Yeah, I, I had none no, of that. I'm just curious, that's all. Yeah. That's what I see, what's going on now. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Hi, Mark. Hi. I want to give you some appreciation for all that you're doing. Oh, thank and you. Also, Suzanne, thank you for everything. Um, I know the journey is very hard. And one thing I am fascinated with is the evolution of our souls and how it comes from creator and we come down and experience all these things and the fractalization that occurs, which is, in my opinion, uh, is these altars that are formed within us. And uh, I wanted to mention that the healing that you, you're going through, and honestly that we're all going through, is I think the biggest thing um, you know, that we're, we're processing and we're learning. Question is, in your opinion, these programs or these experiment programs or whatever, um, is there any positive benefit in any of them? 
Well, even though it doesn't look like it, the, these white hats that they have now, a lot of these guys used to be, you know, what we would call dark hats, right? But they've converted, and that's the only way it's going to end. So they're really not, they can't be good guys because there's no way you're going to win that war. It's, it's brutal. But it, I, I do see it ending soon. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people are getting um, their altars. They're, they're getting a lot of information from them. And from what I've seen, um, let's step back here to one thing. I see a lot of stuff happening on the moon and Mars. But I have to say uh, some of the information that's been going around about the moon and Mars being cleaned up is, is untrue, unfortunately. It's much better than it was, but it's nowhere near cleaned up. You're welcome. Hello, Mark. Hi. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, so you mentioned the Andromedon light body. What, what makes that desirable to those who experimented on you and created your altars? Um, here's what they do. They find people, um, this is what happens to everybody. They find out your gift that you were born with. They have to invert it. It's no good to them as, as good light. So they take your light, they invert it, um, and then they can put it in pretty much anything. They can put it in another body that looks like you, a clone. Um, they can drop it into a reptilian body. They could put it in a cyborg. Uh, it's endless. Then they can take that, say they, they've put it in a reptilian, they can then take that and put it in something else. But the good part is it always gets watered down. Nothing's as powerful as the original source that they took it from. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Um, I have a question for both of you. It deals with regression. So I just wanted to know when you were regressed, were you really conscious or Good were question. you not conscious? Like what was the process when you put him down under? So yeah. Sorry. Because <laughs> I have had an experience, but it was not that pleasant. That's why I wanted to know. Yeah, so that is such a fascinating topic. I'm going to try not to like take up all the time here because it just I geek out on this stuff. But so, okay, so about 10 years ago and earlier, it was way more common for a client in this deep state of hypnosis to not remember anything, not be aware of what was going on during the session, not have recall afterwards. We called that the amnesia experience. Um, honestly, that was easier. It was easier for the client. It was easier for the practitioner. Right. That left brain, the worry and the fear yeah. just yeah. went right. down the hall. Um, and then about 10 years ago, something started to change. And that's when I started. I came into a bit of a hot mess because nobody knew what was going on. Because Dolores was such a good teacher in her own process that in her books that she would write, in her videos or lectures she would give that ended up on, on YouTube, um, in her classes she taught, she'd say, my clients don't remember. And that became a gold standard. And at that time, she was absolutely right. That's how people were experiencing this. Um, so 
when, when I started on it, most of the clients were still in that amnesia state, but a few were doing these other things. They were, um, sometimes they were popping up a little bit in the sessions and they'd be giving really great information, but then they would um, say, you know, I think I'm making this up. I don't think I'm in deep enough. And we're like, are you kidding me? You're doing great. You know, go, go back down. <laughs> and then the other odd thing was when we counted them up, they were having a lot more recall. So this was really weird. Um, it was a great blame game. It was hilarious now that I look back at it because the clients were like, my practitioner wasn't very good. She couldn't get me under because I knew what was going on. Um, That's exactly my point. Yes, right? <laughs> okay, but let me tell you, on the practitioner that, that side... That client of yours could be me. Yes, yes. Oh, you're, you're, you're with everybody. But the practitioners are like, these left brain clients are so annoying. Like, they cannot get out of their left brain. You know, you know what do we do with these left brain clients? Okay, so, so the beautiful part is now we're in 2022. And one of my most favorite parts of my job is I get to hang out with a lot of high cells. And I'm like Dolores, I want to know everything. So I've gotten the story as it's progressed over 10 years. And what they say is, back in the day of the amnesia, that was necessary in order to help people start waking up. The program of just making it up was instilled upon us for a purpose, to devalue all this knowledge that we have innately. They did a really good job with it. And so at that time of just waking up, it was perfectly divinely planned that we would have this amnesia because then we couldn't discard it. We don't remember it, so we couldn't have made it up. People would start talking about their sessions. They'd want to have sessions. They'd want to start reading about this. It was just, it was a beautiful play by the big guys. But they say we weren't meant to stay in that amnesia state. So if, if this is amnesia state, over here is where you have complete and full awareness of all the knowledge that your high self carries and the yeah. collective. You've got it all. But they say we can't go from this to that without frying our brains. And so we've had to incrementally take these steps because over here, you're fully awake and aware. You and I could just be hanging out talking and you could ask, I wonder what I should do about this. And like, we'll find out. And you'll go, okay, cool. Okay, so what I should do about this is, and you'll be tapping into that part of you that knows everything. That's where we're going. That's where we're like this close to that. And so, so feeling somewhat aware in the session is your progression your leap in evolution to get you there. From, from my perspective, I've loved watching this unfold, and, and I call myself a lazy practitioner. I just want everybody to have easy sessions, you know, mm -hmm. so I want to make it easy for you. So I've come up with tips that help you manage that left side because that's what's happening. Our left side is evolving. It's not a bad thing. It's not Mr. Stupid. It's, it's a beautiful part of us. It just works in a different way than the right side. So now people are more aware of that left side. They're wondering, am I in deep enough? Am I making this up? And you, you're aware of those thoughts where in amnesia days, you, you weren't. But if you understand this is all that is happening, it's trying to learn to be more like the right side. That's where this is over here. We're fully the right side. We've let go of fear. And we're letting go of fear. And they say in sessions, look at our outside world. This is why everything is so weird and crazy and chaotic and scary looking. Because we as a collective has have decided that we're going to figure out fear. And we're doing a really good job of it, right? 
Um, so that's why people are feeling more aware in sessions. It's not a bad thing. It is a very good thing. And in amnesia days, the, the, the bummer part of that was when they came out of the session, they didn't have any recall. They had no connection to it. And now what I'm seeing in session is kind of fun because sometimes the person will come up a little bit to ask their own question or the high self will say, well, okay, he's not buying that, but let me explain again why this is really important. Or, you know, he wants to know, you know, why it has to be this way. So it's almost like a three-party conversation. So you have to just, you have to be okay with being somewhat aware and realize it's part of your evolution. This is a good thing, not a bad thing. And, and don't hang on to that amnesia thing. That was for a reason and it's already, it's already occurred. No, the only reason I had this question was because when I was under, Mm -hmm. I was not under, I was asked to imagine things. Mm -hmm. So then it was, I was imagining things that my conscious mind, my brain, was computing. Okay, wait, so wait, that wait, wait, to wait, me. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait. Okay. Where is your imagination? Your imagination is on the right side. Right. We've been told to devalue it. Right. It's everything. It's all our imagination and our creativity are two greatest gifts from source that we come into a life with. It is our connection to all of us, all of our knowing, all of our healing. And it's it's turning that paradigm around and understanding when you're making it up, you're connecting to that part of you that knows everything. It's just right. programming. Okay. Okay, that's it. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry for taking so much time. Thank you so much for your testimony. It, it really rang true when you said that some of our guides are actually our altars. That actually brought a tear to my eye because I, <laughs> I know exactly who that is. Um, but really, it, my question is more of a, of a statement, but I think in some of this, the unsung heroes are the spouses. Um, you know, the ones who chose to be with us, and it's, it's hard for them. It's hard for my husband, you know, to, to be there and witness it. And, you know, he often asks, you know, like, why did you choose me? Like, why am I here? And he feels yeah. helpless a lot, you know, when things are happening. Um, so I was just wondering if in any of your sessions it came through with the role that, you know, because our souls choose. We, we choose right. who our spouse are going to be. What role was your wife playing for you to be here while you were awakening and coming and remembering? That's a great question. So she does have memory of she incarnated here for this mission. Her mission was to keep me alive. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, it's so good to have you here relaying all this. And um, I'm not sure where to start, but uh, we're all awakening. The bales are coming down. We know that. And um, I just know that the more that we're in love and neutralizing the fear altogether, we're creating this, this whatever we're coming into. It's like a big... Uh, turnover, like it feels like we're going to have a twinkling of an eye thing pretty soon, or like we know things are peaking, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering how you see that. I missed the first part of your lecture, the first 30 minutes, unfortunately. So I don't know if you already discussed the overview of this, but um, and you're being your Andromedan light body. I really relate to Andromeda too, like source energy. Being there and helping to bring that energy into the planet so we can make this transition so uh, do you, and you said you feel like a big change is coming very soon into the more goodness, right? Yes. 
Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of us are feeling. So yeah. how, how soon? <laughs> we all wonder, like, come on, uh, we're ready now. We're ready now. Okay, I can Maybe tell you can some. Maybe we can make it happen at the conference. <laughs> sure. Uh, I had information that I had. I do some clearings of, of places. Um, I had information that of a list of places that I had to clear, and it had to be done before. Uh, 2022 had to be done before New Year's for some reason. So then I've also seen some information that uh, you know I was shown that something's going to hit um, Earth and energy should be hitting here. I think it's going to be starting this summer in July. Or... But the energy will start hitting, and it's going to be a good energy. And what it's going to do though is. Um, if you've dealt with your trauma, if you've worked, done your work, you'll be able to uh, really go to a new place. You'll be able to elevate from that energy. If you haven't, if you have um, trauma that's been undealt with, it's just going to get pushed even harder. So that push I'm, I'm hearing is going to be uh, starting in the summer and going into next year, which was... One of the big reasons why I'm kind of stressing to uh, connect with your guides. This is the time. If you've ever tried to connect with your guides before through meditation and you didn't have success or you've never tried, now's the time to try. The veils are so thin, you'll have success. You just have to hang in there and do a little work. Right. I want to say, too, I've been led to a lot of areas to help clear these areas and and was lit... I, I don't know if I'm, if you can hear me, but anyway, I've been led to a lot of areas too by the higher beings to help clear areas through the years, and I was just led back to the Midwest. I didn't even know you were having this conference, and then I hear just a couple of days ago, you're here in St. Louis, I drove over, but I think there's something about us being here on the Mississippi and the Illinois rivers, like through the water, we can really convey a lot of energy, so the fact that we're all here the more we can hold this love, and we're hearing about a lot of traumatic things probably as the conference goes on, but about clearing all of our traumas and sending it through the water and just putting that love out everywhere. And the Great Lakes is a big portal, too, you know, that has a big mandala over the whole lake. Um, It's like a big flower mandala. And so they showed me the reason I was born in Fort Wayne, Indiana, was I'd have to come back all the time in my travels. Usually I would not hit the Midwest. I'd go to the coast, right? But they wanted me in the Midwest so we could anchor the, all that beautiful love coming down through the water and through the ethers, out through the heartland and radiate it everywhere. So here we are, and I just want to thank you. <laughs> and, um, thank you. Quick question. Hey, Mark. Thank What's you very much for uh, your testimony. Really appreciate it and, um, and inspiring in all ways, you know. Um, my question is kind of specific to the, the memories that you do have still. Do you happen to recall any accents? <laughs> like, because like I know Diego Garcia is originally a British um, airbase. Yeah, good question. And I was just curious if you picked up on any accents at all. English accents, I remember, and um, that commandant had, uh, and his family had a a German accent. So so they were all German. 
the people that were in charge of uh, Diego Garcia, the commandant, um, they all wore black uniforms. So I guess it was Dark Fleet or whatever you call it. But they they all had German accents. Other than that, there was, um, I guess, a lot of accents from that area. You know, there was there was a lot of people from Asia that were abducted and were, were on that island. Did they ever, when maybe they didn't want you to hear something, did they ever speak in German or one of their native languages? Well, it's strange. When, when it was me, before they became Hans, yes, they would never talk in front of me. Um, afterwards, they thought they had totally, you know, Hans was just an idiot. So they they discussed all kinds of stuff in front of him. So I have lots of memories of them planning shit, and uh, very interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Thank you. You're welcome. I missed the first part. Did you talk about the Malaysia flight at Diego Garcia? I did not, sir. <laughs> so uh, the missing Malaysia flight apparently was rerouted to Diego Garcia, and you have. Uh, some memory of that? Would you mind sharing that? Sure. I'll, I'll tell you my memories of it. it. It's not a whole lot, but memories was uh, it was Hans. Obviously, they had the, the program with me. Um, I just remember them coming down to get me in the tunnels and uh, bring me up on the surface. I saw the plane with a couple of people unloading down the the slide out the side. But I really wasn't looking that way. I was talking to somebody else, and uh, I was going to be showing them where they could dump all the bodies, since I knew the tunnels. Um, the next memory is, and this is harsh, that's why I haven't talked about it before. Um, they killed all those people on that plane. Uh, there was one person on there that had a uh, hard drive of information. That's why they brought it to Diego Garcia and they killed everyone on it. Um, they then put the bodies in trash dumpsters, big construction ones. Um, I was helping him put, uh, I was guiding the uh, trash dumpsters into a freight elevator. Um, there was a guy in a forklift. So I was all the way in the back of the freight elevator. Um, and uh, actually this is when Hans lost his arm. Uh, he pushed the uh, dumpster and I had my left arm in there. and. It got crushed and um, wound up losing it. So that was the end of my operation, thankfully, for uh, the Malaysian flight. After that, uh, I was mainly in the hospital in Diego. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You're welcome, dude. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't mean to make you rehash that, but uh, 
that was that information was the reason um, I had I had just uh, had a revelation about something similar to that like days prior to him reaching out and telling me about that and that in particular is why I was like okay what's going on here and uh, so anyway thank you for sharing thank you, thank you Suzanne also thank you guys both another round of applause.